1: It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia. 107.5 The Game on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence.
0: Welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you on this Tuesday morning. i going to put some finishing touches on the Missouri game from this past weekend, and obviously we'll talk plenty about A&M as the week goes along. Coming up today at 1.30, you have Coach Beamer with his weekly press conference, sponsored as always by Pete Aoy and Pools and Spas, and we'll get an injury update from him and uh, what's going on heading into the A&M game coming up this weekend. Uh, guys, yesterday... About a number of things. Uh one thing that we primarily focused on when it came to the defense, though, was the nickel spot, as we talk about on a week in week out basis. How, that. J- how Jalen Kilgore <laughs> fared in that spot on Saturday, and obviously uh was part of giving up that big touchdown to Luther Burden. But other than that, didn't really get targeted a whole lot. Um we didn't really get a chance to talk about this defensive front for South Carolina and the pretty quiet day they had overall. Obviously, Cody Schrader ran wild over this defense on Saturday. Didn't get to uh, Brady Cook at all. Didn't get any sacks. Only two tackles for losses um, for South Carolina. I, on an area of the defense that we thought was maybe one of the higher points, maybe one of the the better areas that just, again, a pretty uh, quiet day overall on Saturday.
2: Yeah, not not what you wanted, not what you needed. And, you know, Cody Schrader comes in. He's He's a really good back. But also, I, I think he's one of those guys, man, you don't quite fear him the way you do some of the other, like I I don't think he's Ray Davis, Um, you know, and again, that's no disrespect to him whatsoever. His numbers speak for themselves, but, you know, I I think he's a guy you want to get in there and you want to hit him. You want to make him earn it and you want to make him prove that he's doing some of this himself, not just because there's a lot of room to run. And, And, and frankly, there, there's a lot of room to run. I felt like on a lot of his plays, on saturday and he comes in banged up he's questionable ends up playing literally like every snap he was the only guy other than brady cook and you know a receiver here or there who carried the football so you know i I think you wanted to kind of be able to look back and say wow we took the fight to him we hit him hard we made him earn everything and it just did not feel like that was the case they did like like every other aspect of the game they played it a little bit better in the second half but coming out I mean, when you already have the weapons they do at wide receiver, and, you know, they, they were a little bit out of sorts to start the game, that first drive in the passing game, but then they kind of get the running game going, then everything kind of feeds off of that. It uh, it clearly, I mean, there's no other way to say it. it. just wasn't really what you were looking for from South Carolina.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, again, well, with Schrader and the type of running back that he is, he wasn't doing anything fancy or special. A lot of those runs were just to the inside, and, again, they were opening up holes that, you know, could have, driven a bus through and again that just we, we knew missouri's offensive line was good as we uh talked about going into last weekend's game they'd been named to the joe Moore honorable honorable uh uh honor roll for midseason on like the watch list for the award i think it was That's 15 right, or 20 uh, sc- uh schools that are on that list uh, halfway through the season but we knew it was going to be a tough task but i don't think we expected them to just not have the output that they had on saturday
2: yeah and i, I think if you're south carolina fair or not you know if you're gonna stop teams It kind of is going to be put on those interior guys like that. That's where I think if you look at it right now, that's probably where South Carolina's best talent is, as far as having some actual depth and having some guys who can make plays for you. You know, TJ Sanders, Boogie Tonka. uh, Then you add in you know Nick Barrett in there as well. That that's kind of four guys in that rotation that you feel pretty good about. And you know, I I think those guys just uh, the, the onus is on them so to speak to create some things there were some times you know I think maybe this was Beamer talked about it how they were kind of trying to play towards some tendencies that Missouri had on offense there were a couple of times where it felt like those guys were in the backfield but just the play was going a different direction in the first half I I felt like so uh, maybe that was just my perception of it but You're going to need those guys to be really good if you're going to be good up front. That was what we saw. The the one example we've seen this year, Mississippi State. Those guys uh, were winning those battles consistently across the board, and that let everybody else kind of feed to the football, your linebackers, your safety that's in the box. Uh, Against Missouri, it just felt like you were kind of getting wiped out on that first level quite a bit and uh, very – to give some more credit, very well-coached um, Missouri offensive line as well, I think. Yeah, so
3: a few a few things off of that. You know, the evidence is I don't know that Mississippi State has a very good offense, <laughs> right? I mean, now I know that they had to play Arkansas. They, you know, they're missing Will Rogers. So they played Mike Wright. But, I mean, even at full strength, we were talking about it going into the South Carolina game. They play LSU. Rodgers really struggled. They scored 14 points against an LSU defense. It is not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, They didn't run the football. but It's not a very good Mississippi State team. They're not a good offense, right, just generally. And now South Carolina has had the dreaded Cole Kubelik spotlight of an opposing offensive lineman from Missouri. They've uh, gotten that treatment on Twitter. Cole was outlining... Uh, I will hopefully won't butcher his name, but uh, Armand is his first name. One of Missouri's interior offensive linemen who had a really good game. And going back, I mean, Tyler, to your point, going back and looking at some of it, even live you can notice there was a lot of push. There was a lot of holes. I mean, yards before contact. Cody Schrader, I think he broke six tackles, which is a good number for a running back. I think he had like 80-something yards after contact, another good number for running back. But there were a lot where he's already through the line, and you don't have a lot of resistance. And, and if and if you are in that territory, it's going to be a tough day.
0: It, it reminded me a lot of the North Carolina game in week number one, where just it felt like there was no penetration up front, and any time what Marion uh, Hampton or um, um what's his name British Brooks yeah, got yeah, the ball, he was four yards down the field before he had any yeah. kind of anybody contesting him. I always thought the
2: um, you know a lot of times we talk about this guy's a great play caller. That guy's a great play caller. A lot of times in a particular game, the mark of a great play caller is my running game is working because everything else just flows off of that. You can throw the ball on first down and not be worried about second and 10 because you feel like you've got seven yards in your back pocket from the running game on, on second down. And I, that that's what it felt like to me. And, you know, I, I think you look at it. I I I prefer for other people to tell me, if I'm right on something and I prefer just to admit if I'm wrong on something. (laughs) And at this point I, um, you know, I think it's time. Like I, I felt like there were some things up front where defensively, where as the year progressed, we're going to be like, man, they really have improved quite a bit against the run. Now, I I still thought the pass rush, there was going to be some questions there, but I, I thought, you know, a little bit more athletic at linebacker, um, then last year, Stone Blanton slimming down. Those guys we talked about on the interior. I thought as kind of the, the level of offense you were playing evened out a little bit. That we'd be saying now we can see those improvements. And you know that that certainly really even looking back against Florida, the total rush mm. number is very misleading. There's a lot of room to to run against them, and then Missouri just kind of had their way too, except for maybe a stretch in the third quarter. So, yeah, so far that take is appearing to be off. A mea culpa. I will join you.
3: I mean, I, it just, like, th- there were some, I felt like in the first half of the season it was like, all right, are they better with some inconsistencies, right? Even in the mm-hmm. UNC game that you mentioned, Tyler, they did a not great job on British Brooks who went over 100 yards, but a Marion Hampton had something like two yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Did a pr- Scored twice. <laughs> But he had like two yards of carry. They did a pretty good job on him other than that. And then you had the Mississippi State game, right? And Well, this guy's leading the, the SEC in rushing coming in. So that was a pretty good performance holding him to 27 yards. But it does not seem to be an area where they've taken a significant leap. I don't think at all. You know, I think at this point you're sitting there arguing as to or wondering whether or not it has improved. And... I don't know that it has which has been a problem with you know that combined with the issues we've seen in past
2: coverage you know kind of has led to the product that we've seen on defense yeah and again it all um all the things we're talking about mesh together and you know you can make your linebackers you can help them out a lot by playing better up front you can um you know your linebackers can clean things up for you if you have a bad rep on the defensive front and um you know right now they're just a, uh, they're they're a little bit off. It seems like at at all three levels, and for for this conference, that just, especially an offense with as much talent as Missouri has, that that's going to get you beat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, we the the debate rages on: is that scheme, is that guys not being able to go out there and execute? And and we always kind of lean more towards scheme. What happens when a defense doesn't play well, everybody points the fingers at the defensive coordinator. But I go back to what, you know, Coach Beamer said last week and coming away from the Florida game where he seemed pretty confident, like, hey, we were putting in the right play calls. We felt confident in what we were giving these guys to do, they just weren't able to go out there and do it. And I've got a lot of flack for that and he backpedaled a little bit, but that's what his thoughts after the game were. So it makes you kind of wonder which side is is more at fault here.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, I think we we also have to if we as fans and media and everybody who loves college football. We, we want coaches to not give us coach speak. And then when they don't give us coach speak, we're like, oh, you're throwing them under the bus. You know, Dabo had the same thing. He he said, hey, you know, K. Klubnick, he, he just went rogue. Oh, he's throwing his quarterback under the bus. Or did he just tell you what happened? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. But I, I think, in a way, Beamer was just telling us what happened. And so, for me, I, I do... Now, we always say this. If this is a pie, there's blame everywhere. Sure. There's nobody that's not within blame. Just like when you win, everybody contributed to to an extent. However, I don't know if you see the difference makers on this defense right now mm-hmm. that you do when you look around at the – even let's look at like if, if you're a middle of the pack, just solid average SEC defense – you can probably look at most of those and be like, man, they got a difference maker here, here, maybe a third guy. Um, if you look at an upper upper echelon, you're saying they probably have difference makers everywhere at this level in order to be good because that's the standard, right? Like that's what you're playing towards in this conference. If you just have a defense, and I, I don't think South Carolina has bad football players. That's not what I'm saying. Right. If you have a defense full of just sort of, you know, good players, but that aren't difference makers to kind of pull you above and make those game-changing plays and get you off the field. That's where I think it gets exposed when you're facing the type of talent you face week in, week out.
0: Absolutely. we'll see if they can turn their page and have a better performance this weekend against Texas A&M on the road in College Station, kickoff at noon, which you can listen to right here on the game. Obviously, we're waiting on Coach Beamer's press conference coming in up in a little over two hours. Really wanted to know the status of some of these guys with injuries and where they stand ahead of Saturday's game. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up. You're listening to the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game.
1: It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5, the game in Florence. Hey,
0: hey, hey, hey. You're going to have to get help under him. you have to get help over him at times. I think you got to mix the looks up. You got to affect the quarterback somehow. I mean, hopefully you the, the ball doesn't get to be held a long time. You're, you know, just there's different things to do, but you've got to know where he's at and make sure he's not in a one on one situation. Yes, sir. To answer your question, I mean, whether you're <laughs> doubling over the top or sometimes when, people say when a guy plays soft, you can double underneath. I mean, you having guys run underneath coverage and keeping guys on top for things, too. So you got to keep a good mix and a good look and what you're trying to do. Cloud coverage is different things. Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. That of course was the voice of Jimbo Fisher, head coach for the Texas A&M Aggies, yesterday in his weekly press conference, talking about covering Xavier get. and we'll obviously get into the specific matchups uh, for the South Carolina offense versus their defense a little bit later on as the week goes along. But but talking specifically about uh, X uh, again, we're two hours away from Coach Beamer's press conference, sponsored by Pete L One pulls and Spas. Just hopefully knowing he's going to be able to play this weekend. And and that's a big X factor because if he is not able to play, obviously without Juice Wells, who's going to step up as that number one guy?
2: Yeah, excellent sponsor mentioned there, Tyler. Very well done. I try. (laughs) Um, Jimbo Fisher was an auctioneer in another life, I think. The words per second there, my brain almost doesn't even process what he's saying until after the fact. But, yeah, I I don't know what the answer is to that, man, because I, I think let's go back to what we talked about with defense. Um, you know, in no way is it saying anybody else is, is a bad, if you're playing in the SEC, if you're starting, you know, you are talented, but how many guys do you have that the other team circles when they start putting together their game plan each week? And, you know, I I think we all know number seven is the first thing that coaches look at and say, we got to find a way to keep this guy in the pocket, to harass him, to do these things that stop him. He is that level of talent. For South Carolina, you came into the year, and if you had a healthy Juice Wells, he's the next guy on that list that teams are going to circle. And then once they saw what this version of Xavier Leggett is, quickly the number 17 went on the Sunday early prep board as well for an opponent right if you don't have three which you know all signs are they don't if you don't have 17 which we'll find out more later today then you're just once again chipping away and and taking those guys out of the equation that are true difference makers how how different is this offense without Leggett stepping up this year how many big plays has he made down the field how many of those explosives that we all know South Carolina is very reliant on on offense, how, how many of those plays aren't made? Uh, Tyler, you made the point yesterday. You have a less experienced receiver having a ball kind of go through his hands on a jump ball situation late in the game. So you know, I, I think for them, it's uh, it, it's tough to, to answer. To try to answer your question, I think Trey Knox is kind of your your top receiving target. If you know. Is that ideal for it to be a tight end? Probably not. But if, if there's no Leggett, or even if Leggett is kind of um, feeling his way back in and not 100%, I think Knox is the guy that, that takes over that. He very quietly now has 30 catches on the year to Leggett's 37 catches. Mm, so he very quietly has made more and more of an impact. Now, is it the down-the-field impact you see yeah. from Leggett? Obviously not, but you don't expect that from a tight end anyway.
3: Well, Nate, no three. If if there's no seventeen, let me throw out another number. What about no ten? You know, goes down with that hamstring injury. Questionable. And,
0: and he's he's played, but I didn't even see what his snap count this weekend was. He wasn't out there for the majority of the snaps, was he? Was, was, he was limited when he came back against uh, Tennessee. He was we, out there a pretty good bit. A pretty, pretty good, good bit. bit. I'm, I'm gonna pull up the snap count here and let's out know. there. Thirty four f- snaps. Okay, so what? I, is that roughly half, about half, about, yeah, about half.
3: half. Uh, with part of that, I don't remember when he got banged up. It seems like it was second half. Right? It was definitely second, was definitely half. second half. Um, but he had a, I mean, he had an impressive catch and run in that game. You know, well, I feel like
0: a- he d- he has one at least every single every game. game yeah. It's like, all right, get him involved more, and then he's either banged up or it just doesn't come to him. Still, your quarterback's getting smashed.
3: That's yeah. true. Still I mean. doesn't have a touchdown at South Carolina, which will be the greatest. One of the greatest travesties in the world, in my opinion, if he doesn't end up getting one before he before he leaves here. But um, so you, you're looking at the possibility, and again, we'll find out more. You're looking at a possibility of missing your starting three wideouts. At the minimum, you're you're going to have probably one out and two banged up. Sure. Um, your running back came into the Missouri game banged up. Nobody even talked about that because everybody else just <laughs> so hurt. It's just kind of a footnote. So he he he's probably not a hundred percent, right? You, you you don't get an ankle injury,
2: and rehab it, then go play another football game and say how I feel great. Yeah, and then rewatching, man, he came out dinged up. Yep, it did not appear to be the ankle. <laughs> so <laughs> something else, something else potentially. And then ten offensive linemen
3: hurt. Yeah, many of whom are actual guys that start or play for you. So it it's not a pretty picture in terms of the injuries.
0: Yeah, and again, we'll get a better injury update on that today. Um, obviously, we know it seems like Juice Wells may, may be done for the season. We haven't even heard about him in these last couple of weeks, and that may be more telling sign than anything else. He's not even being included in the latest injury updates. Yeah, um, I
2: think Beamer just basically said on Thursday at the call-in show, he's out Yeah, you know, for, for talking about this past week. But um, I, I honestly feel like every year when there's injuries in preseason – we'll say things like hey guys every everybody has injuries every school has injuries it's part of it but i i would love to see a study of how many injuries south carolina has this year compared to the average school and i know co- so college ball it's not everything's not official sure like the nfl the nfl probably has that data
0: for you probably um and, and i see a lot of people especially yesterday when we were you know talking what happened on saturday and a lot of it Revolved around the offensive line and their poor performance, but we did give the caveat: there's a lot of injuries, and you know, people saying injuries are an excuse, and to some degree, yes. But again, when you have ten offensive linemen like Chris Clark mentioned there, like, and you don't even have a, a viable second team in practice, like, how can you not make that excuse? Yeah, some some well,
2: people some people just don't care about excuses. Well,
3: and I, I like,
0: don't, say, don't use the word excuse because it's not. Just stating a fact, I guess. Yeah, like there are ten offensive linemen out. Again, you can't do. You can't
2: really do win anyway when you have ten offensive linemen out. It makes it pretty tough. I I, I kind of have a take on that too, though. I I think it's when, when people hear the injury quote unquote excuse. When people say, "Oh, that's an excuse," they're think they're saying that. They're thinking of that from a heart standpoint not a head standpoint mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, that's definitely a fan take right there yeah. because you just you don't th- that's not as compelling of a thing to talk about as uh, well man if we if we just if we just fix this coach yeah everything's gonna be well, better
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and and looking at the offensive line it's like well if if these three guys would play better and have better technique then this wouldn't be a problem and it's like no we're just Down to guys that shouldn't be starting on the offensive line right now.
2: Yeah, and I I do think uh, I I see this take sometimes. Hey, you should be improving every single week of the year. Like, okay, well, what about the teams you're playing? Are they not improving as well? So, uh, a lot of times, whether whether you look good or bad on a given week is if you are playing a team that's better than you or not.
0: I was going to say, when we were looking at this game before the season against Missouri, we didn't think they were going to be six and one coming into this game we didn't think they were going to still be in the mix for potentially going to the college football playoff halfway through the season we you know what their their uh, win total was set at like six and a half Mm -hmm. and they had already accomplished that before this game like they got better as season went along even the first couple of weeks of the season beating teams like middle tennessee state and memphis We're like ah those aren't really that impressive of wins but then they turned it on in the next couple of games and you saw what happened on saturday and for south carolina again
2: not an excuse but the way their schedule has been structured You did not have that built-in buffer that they had last year where Charlotte and SC State pop up. Those were kind of your get-right games for Carolina. You also started the year last year with a much more beatable opponent. You baked in a win, basically. You baked in a home win, whereas you this year had a toss-up game outside of Williams-Price Stadium to start the year. So you've been fighting an uphill battle for the entire way once you lost that first game. And then the injuries have tacked on for you. And then now, I I actually think on an individual basis, the last four games of this season are, again, week by week, winnable games. The problem is you're going to be, you're staring at two and six before you get to them. And I think being two and six kind of does a number mentally on a football team as a whole.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you wonder, you know, where, and look, Coach Beamer is a, you know, he's a, he's a high-energy guy. He's somebody that wears his heart on the sleeve. I have no doubt that he can come up with a plan to try and fire these guys up. How they respond to that is the question because, again, we're talking about 18 to now, I guess, 23, 24-year-olds when you talk about guys with COVID years and stuff like that, but it's really easy for those guys to lose interest and just start going through the motions. I'm not, not pointing to these guys specifically, just for any team. guys that age in general.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I agree. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just... Can you get healthy at some point, right? I mean, motivation or not, it's it's a tough road when you you got a couple more winnable games when you come back from this two game road trip, and then you got Kentucky and Clemson around the corner, and and those have the appearance of all four of those home games probably being ones that you need to keep your
0: season going, right. Absolutely. Uh, One more thing from Saturday. Uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl was on uh, during the first half of the game. I gave a brief little cut about what he sees out of Spencer Rattler, not only from the Senior Bowl perspective, but from his pro potential as well. We'll let you listen to what he had to say and react to that. Coming up next is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Rolls on here on the game.
1: Or talking about. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. On your home of the Gamecocks. In Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence. Hey, welcome
0: back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra West and Chris along with you. Putting a bow on what happened this past weekend between... The Gamecocks and the Missouri Tigers, one thing that you may have seen while watching the game on the SEC Network was a feature uh, late in the second half when South Carolina's offense was on the field, including Jim Nagy from the Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, that is, talking a little bit about Spencer Rattler and where he stands as far as his pro potential goes right now.
1: It is a loaded quarterback class for the 2024 Reese's
0: Senior Bowl, and South Carolina. Spencer Rattler will be squarely in the mix for an invite. He's one of the
1: best pure pocket passers in this year's class. If you give him time, he will absolutely pick you apart. He can rip NFL throws down the field, as we've seen him do all season to Xavier Leggett. I think the issue for Spencer this year is he's faced a lot of fast pressure, particularly off the edges, that's made him move. But for NFL evaluators, that's been a good thing. I think they've seen more mobility out of Spencer. Uh, He's going to enter the draft process with over 40 career starts
0: at the college level, which is huge. And he's got some big games still left on the schedule, including today against a Missouri defense that has a lot of NFL talent on it, where he can prove to NFL scouts that he is a starter at the next level and that was Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, talking a little bit about Rattler there. And uh, in a weird way, having all that much pressure coming off the edge is giving scouts another thing to look at with Spencer Rattler that he's performed well with. And, again, we talk about him continuing to raise his draft stock. I'm just looking at CBS's projected draft uh, prospect rankings. They got him 80 right now, so that would put him, what, third-ish round somewhere around their middle third round pick so about what we kind of figured but but here's a guy that you know coming into the season was really not on anybody's draft boards and has played his way into being in one of those uh, higher respectable rounds once again
2: yeah and he, he's done it on the field he's done it off the field I've been I mean like he talked about he can rip any throw like I think that's the perfect way to to say it we have seen him when he has had time absolutely rip defenses and I think that NFL scouts, they're going to look past the, well, hey, the, you know, the offense bogged down here, the offense bogged down there because of past pro issues. And they're going to say, hey, he's making throws in tight windows. He's making throws with guys all around him. Um, he's making, at times, really good decisions on when to just bail and get out of there. And I think they're going to be most impressed, though, with the feedback they get from inside the building on his leadership this year. I mean, he, he has come such a long way in terms of just dealing with the you know adversity dealing with defeat at times and you know even just look at the game this past week he probably has a touchdown on his resume if a freshman receiver can hang on to a ball that he makes the perfect read on perfect throw on in a key moment of the game when you're trying to battle back freshman receiver drops the ball what does rattler do he instantly without hesitation goes over to the kid hits him on the helmet, and seems to give him encouragement. So I I think we all knew the physical ability was there. He's showing what he can do inside a more NFL-oriented scheme, but also teams are going to get very, very good feedback about how much he has grown just as a competitor and leader at South Carolina. And Tyler, kind of going
3: off what we were talking about last hour on how it's not as popular um, to talk about the positive aspects of a thing, you know, it's interesting you don't have a lot of the, you know, media organizations talking about Spencer Rattler's leadership, right, after spending a few years, you know, constantly replaying a Netflix series clip or look, look at this sideline shot of him, you know, after he got benched for Caleb Williams and they're mm-hmm. losing a football game. Oh, look at this. Look at how he looks. He's not super happy. Sure. Right. After spending years doing that, you know, you see how he's conducted himself in the midst of a very difficult season. Sure. The, the press conferences, what he looks like on the field, like Wes said, he's still playing his heart out, taking hits, running the football, not mailing it in whatsoever. Um, you don't hear that talked about as much, but the 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 people that matter are taking notice of it. J- sure. Jim Nagy. NFL teams
0: coaching staff well and you have a direct comparison you're talking about that Netflix moment where he was chewing out a receiver for not catching a ball or not running a route correctly or something like that and the complete 180 of what he did on Saturday with Tyshawn Russell dropping dropping that that surefire touchdown or at least seemed to be a surefire touchdown that would have changed the dynamic of the game greatly but yeah handled that one with certainly a lot more grace and uh and maturity my thing here is and we still got five more games to go so the uh, story of this season has not been finished by any means, but, you know, are we going to look back on this season for Spencer Rattler a few years down the road and just kind of wonder what could have been if all the other pieces have been around him?
2: I think we're going to sit there and wonder that right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm already, like I think a lot of GameCop fans are saying you, you have a just extreme, you have arguably the most talented quarterback in South Carolina history right now. And um, certainly he is in that conversation. Sure. And just because because of offensive line issues and injuries, because to be fair, injuries have played a a huge part. To be fair, there also were questions before we started seeing injuries there. And then certainly injuries to to the receiving core. I still stand by what I said. I, I think you were about to see the best trio of wide receivers that were on the field at the exact same time that, I can remember South Carolina having in two decades, honestly. If you had a healthy Juice Wells, a, health, a healthy Leggett, and a healthy AB. And so, yeah, I think there's a what could have been aspect already at play here because even if they go on a run to finish the year, which, as you said, the as much as people want to say, ah, oh, the season's over, no, the, the final chapter, the final part of the season has not been written yet. But even then, if they go on a run, you're going to be saying, well, man, what what would have happened if South Carolina had been healthy for the first half of the year? Yeah,
3: there's so many of those what ifs. I mean, I think you could even say, I, I mean, just what if Jalen Nichols had not gotten hurt? And even if you take, let's say just Nichols is available, you still got a bunch of O-line injuries and you've got, some, you can come up with all these different combinations. Right, let, keep Nichols and Juice Wells, right, to, to pair with, with XL. I mean, there, there's so many different things about it. And so it kind of is what it is. And to go back to Spencer, I think he's just recognized the situation. Like, it is what it is. Don't want to be – don't want to have two wins right now. Don't want to be this banged up. Don't want to be in this position. But he's made the absolute best of it just from his play, um, from his, you know, his teammates. I mean, he said in the postgame presser the other night, He's like, I feel bad for Coach Beamer. I feel bad for my teammates because we don't want to be here. We faced a lot of adversity. But uh, it's been really impressive just kind of watching his growth. I think even from when he got, I mean, I didn't hear anything concerning when he got to to South Carolina, really, and went throughout last year. But I think we've seen even some growth since that time, just, just over the
0: course of this year. Yeah, and speaking of Spencer Rattler, and you mentioned him getting benched, at uh, Oklahoma a couple seasons ago, and that was obviously for Caleb Williams. Uh, An interesting conversation is being had about Caleb Williams this week as as a prominent voice in college football. uh, Had an interesting idea for him the other day. We'll talk about that coming up as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on The Game.
1: Adventure days at Galliana Chrysler Jeep on Greystone. Scary low prices on every Chrysler and Jeep in stock. Every new 2023 Jeep Compass and Renegade, $8,000 off. Every new Jeep Gladiator, $11,000 off. And every new Jeep Grand Cherokee, $12,000 off. Plus, make zero payments until 2024. Every new 2023 Jeep Compass and Renegade, $8,000 off. Every new Jeep Gladiator, $11,000 off. And every new Jeep Grand Cherokee, $12,000 off with zero payments until 2024. Now through October 31st at Galliana Chrysler Jeep on Greystone. Call 779-7300 or gallianasc.com. No payments till January 1st with Tier one approval plus tax stack and 489 closing fee.
0: Clogged, overflowing gutters can cause thousands of dollars in damage to your home's foundation. Canty Foundation can replace your gutters and save you money. Canty installs gutter shutter. Call us today for your free inspection.
1: Canty can fix it.
0: Having a reliable gutter system is essential to protecting your home's interior and exterior. Heavy rain can unleash gallons of water onto your
1: home, and poorly maintained or leaky gutters could lead to roofing, siding, and water damage that is expensive to repair or replace. Online at CandyGutters.com.
0: What's for dinner? Burgers?
1: After last week? No thanks. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach. And 100.5 The Game in Florence.
0: Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on the game, a few more minutes to go here, Tyler, Wes, and Chris. You know, we talked in the last segment a lot about Spencer Rattler and obviously climbing up the draft boards in a lot of people's eyes and, and seems to be uh, on the potential of getting an, an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl as well. Uh, talking about quarterbacks getting drafted, it's expected that Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft, obviously the quarterback, out of Southern Cal. And on Saturday, Southern Cal lost their second game of the season to Utah, second game in a row, and Caleb Williams didn't have a great performance. And, um, you know... We know in the era of the four-team college football playoff, when you lose two games, you're, you're out. You're most likely not going to get in. Now, there is a path for Sullivan Cal to still win, like, back fact Twelve championship, but it's probably on the less likely end at this point. Um, Emmanuel Acho of Fox Sports tweeted this out after the game on Saturday. With national championship hopes gone, Caleb Williams should consider sitting out the rest of the season. Heisman's a long shot. Playoffs are even less likely. He won't play in the bowl game. Risk of playing far outweighs the reward business decision. Now, I personally don't think... Caleb Williams would do this, but this kind of loops into our conversation about NIL where players are making money, and you obviously have a guy like this that is going to be a topic in the draft. Is that something that we could see coming somewhere down the line where, hey, I'm a top pick. we are we got three losses. We're probably not going to make the playoff. I'm just going to go ahead and phone it in for the rest of the year.
2: I mean, I, th- I think we're already seeing that to an extent where it, it used to be noteworthy if somebody skipped a bowl, mm-hmm. and then slowly you've seen that to, well, Hey, if, if a guy plays in a bowl, it's almost <laughs> noteworthy uh, unless it's one of the, you know, the bigger bowls. And so, yeah, I think it's this has been a conversation going all the way back to Clowny. Should he skip yeah. his junior year, which was a joke? <laughs> and, you know, but I, I think so. What more does he have to play for? For one, um, man, I, I, I know everybody has to make individual decisions, but you are talking about a team at, at some point mm-hmm. and you are the leader of this team. You are the face of this team, and um, it it would just be to, to the it would be a bad look to the extent that if I was an NFL team, I would be factoring that into my decision, um, you know, about if I'm drafting a guy or not. But also, hey, guys, if this a business decision, then you mentioned NIL, Tyler. At, at what point does that come into this conversation as well? Like you always sort of had the argument before well, hey, who can blame that guy for skipping a bowl because he's not being paid? Mm. And he's trying to set himself up to be paid. Caleb Williams, I promise you, is being well-paid at this point. So does that change the argument there as well in in terms of what is the sort of uh, proper side of this argument to be on? And you've
3: also had his father... Has made some. Caleb's father has made some public comments like, "Hey, you know, if we don't like the way that the NFL draft is setting up with the number one pick, we might come back to college." And, you know, so that weighs into what Wes is saying. And now, now a guy like Caleb Williams, in theory, can balance. And you know, I, he he can leverage himself potentially better than really anybody has in the past
0: also potentially looking for an ownership stake in whatever team ends up drafting him. Yeah.
2: I'm going to say that's going to be a non-starter. Yeah, probably not. The clowny thing
3: was hilarious. Like, I, that was completely manufactured,
0: right? Yeah, where did that I'm come from? Like, where did that generate somebody,
3: from? Some, some people said that he should do it. Mm-hmm. And so then it became a thing where it turned into hey, he might be considering this. Like, like it it kind of just morphed into people assuming that what? he, it was coming from Clowney, and I don't think it ever was. Do you recall, West? I, I don't think he ever – like, I remember that game. They were playing UNC that year. Remember, it was, it was 300% humidity outside. And before the game, I think this is the game you had Tom Rinaldi down on the field before the game saying, oh, there's been so much speculation about Jadavion Clowney. Will he play – it's kind
2: of like, well – not really. No, nobody was tracking that locally, from what no. I remember. Like as a no. actual possibility, is it? I remember during that off season, though, it had been talked about so much by like basically national talking heads that you had to start. All right, is this real? Is he considering yeah. it? And then it's like, no, he's. Will
3: somebody actually take this and say, "Oh, that is a good idea. Let's talk Jadavion Clowney into doing that." Like that would have been the bigger. Clowney was so low key, yeah. really. I doubt it ever crossed his mind. He probably was like, you can do that? He probably had <laughs> some agents that Probably were, had
0: some agents wanting him to do it. Well, and, and uh, nobody had ever done anything like that before. No. You'd be essentially setting the precedent at that point in time, and he obviously ended up being fine that year and ended up being the number one overall pick regardless, but um, that's the only person... that There may have been others since then, but that's the only one that I remember, like, hearing those things about, like, oh, you should just go ahead and sit this year out, the complete season at least. Well, and then you had... So, Christian McCaff- was,
3: wasn't Christian McCaffrey like the OG of skipping a bowl game in 2016?
0: Um, I mean, he was one of the first. It was definitely... One of the most high-profile. It was definitely when it started to become more popular, because that would have been what, the second year of the college football playoff. Yeah, it was 2016, so, the end of 2016. And we know the college football playoff inadvertently devalued the bowls that are not featured semifinals in whatever year that may be. So, he was, yeah, kind of one of the first to, to do that. And obviously, we've seen... Countless number of guys. I remember what uh, Kenny Pickett sat out the Peach bowl two years ago. And now that was a big story. Somebody played. I forget what quarterback was. One quarterback played in his bowl game. Like you said, it was a big deal. Just the fact that he was actually playing and not sitting out. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy
2: how quick that kind of turned as far as what the precedent is for, for top players. Yeah, I, I feel like so. But, but is there any, and I guess we don't know being all the way over here. Is there any actual thought that Caleb Williams may sit this thing out the rest of the way? or that's No, just...
0: it, it's one of those things that just got put out there that a lot of people are talking about and reacting to. And again, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to do that. I don't think that's on his radar. And again, there's still a path for Southern Cal to still win the Pac-12 championship and maybe have an outside shot at the college football playoff. Not super likely right now with two losses, but that's still on the table for them. So, yeah, that's, it's not on his radar, but it's something that just garn- garnered a lot of attention. How disappointing do
2: y'all think the Southern Cal fan base is right now with the level, fair or not, the level of expectation for Lincoln Riley and this program going into this year? Um, I mean, even I mean, it's not a bad year by
0: most people's standards, but you got to think, well, it's pretty disappointing. At the same time, though, we've known Lincoln Riley hasn't given a crap about defense in his time as a head coach. Like you knew this was going to come at some point. You saw it at the end of last year. I think you thought they could just outscore
2: teams. But against pretty good defenses, those numbers for both that offense and for Caleb Williams yeah,
0: um, drop off considerably. And faced a very physical defense this past weekend against Utah. And by the way, they're still going to play Oregon, UCLA, um, somebody else in Washington. Like They still got plenty of tough games to come. They, they could, could be realistically be like eight season. and four. Yeah. yeah.
3: Boy, that would be,
2: whew, that would be interesting. I did, a complete, complete rumor. I did hear a rumor that Lincoln Riley
0: may not be at Southern Cal for the long haul. I have also heard this rumor that maybe he has aspirations at a higher level. We'll see what happens, especially if they go 8-4. and That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next, halftime show with myself and Terry Ford here on The Game.